going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. It is a it is a double upload week. I am William Locke, and I'm joined by Joe Sieben out in Denver, Colorado, home of the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup final bound. Uh, Joe, how you doing? Doing well, man. Excited to be back on. Uh, great time to be a sports fan, especially in Denver. First time they made the cup uh, finals here in about 20 years, I want to say. So city's buzzing. Um, hopefully I can be as animated as you guys were on the pod last night. If you haven't listened yet, go give that one a listen. Yeah, we were getting into it. And there's just a lot of things in baseball that can drive you crazy. And um, we just had to sound off. You know, sometimes you just got to sound off on some things that irritate you. Uh, the Angels were irritating us. Um, but yeah, Colorado City of Champions. Uh, and rumor rumor around the town is that you're moving back to the other city of champions uh, pretty soon in Minnesota. So you get to watch some, as Luis would say, fraudulent baseball in person uh, as he is moving out to Denver. So you guys are basically swapping places uh, here pretty soon uh, as he gets to move out to Denver and you go to Minnesota. Well, he's not in Minnesota, but you get the point. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm headed back in a, in a week or two. Going to make a quick stop in Omaha for the College World Series, which will be pretty cool. Never seen that. Um, so spend some time in Minnesota for the summer. Hopefully be back here in a, in a couple months. And hopefully Luis has officially moved out here. We can uh, tear up the town in Denver. Yeah, Lord knows when that kid's actually – who knows with, with him when he is actually going to move. But rumor around the, the, the place is that he is going to move to Denver for – some med school thing. I don't really know how it works. Um, but yeah, he'll be out there joining you. He was, he was complaining to me about rent and I'm like, bro, rent's expensive everywhere. Like I know Denver's a high demand city, but rent's, you know, expensive everywhere. Got, mine got jacked up recently. Had to resign a new lease. It's just life. You got to roll with the punches. Um, yeah. I mean like any like normal city, if you want to be in like a cool or good part of town, it's like, they just control the market and they just jack up prices. It's crazy. It's unfortunate. Um, you know, you could always move to Omaha. You know, they really don't have much going on there besides College World Series. So when you're there, it'll be pretty much the biggest couple weeks of the year for, for that city. And I am quite jealous. I've never been. Um, but I love love the college baseball tournament. Obviously, you talked about a little bit of its flies on yesterday's podcast. So check that out. But definitely, uh, that should be a lot of fun. Maybe you get to see Tennessee one of the best college baseball teams ever, arguably, in person. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Michigan should have had the chance to be there. But anyway, um, we're here for an NBA podcast today. So we're, we're going we're gonna to talk some hoops, um, specifically, obviously, the NBA finals. We're also going to talk a little bit of the Orlando Magic, um, since I wrote a little, little piece on them, actually. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about that later. We, we're dropping a website, though. Uh, with Woo! with some writing and we'll it's it's rough it's in the rough stages so um a lot of work to do on it but that is out there we'll talk about that later then at the end we got some quick hitting topics you know quinn schneider uh nhl playoffs and live golf so if you care about any of that hang on stay with us we're gonna open up with nba finals tied up at one heading back to boston for game three tomorrow night Celtics took game one ultimately the fourth quarter that huge fourth quarter was the driving force behind their win where they got hot from three mainly Al Horford um and like Derek White stepping up huge for them in the fourth in game one then in game two Warriors responded when they really really had to you know you don't you can't go back to Boston down 2-0 in the series and that's a very tough place to play the Warriors got the business done in game two. They were extremely physical with the Warriors. And I think that was led by none other than Draymond Green, um, who was great on defense, a bit of an irritant, got a light, got away with a lot of stuff. We'll get into him a little bit later. I want to start with, I think my main takeaway from this game was like, you know, Curry only had 29 points, right? And four assists. Box score, like it looks like a, a classic or an average Curry game, right? Not like a classic Curry game. But my issue is who's the second guy on this roster? Because Clay simply hasn't been it. He hasn't been stepping up. Poole had a horrible first half, was a lot better in the second. He was part of that third quarter run. That buzzer beater was sick. 
buzzer beater was electric. Um, that pretty much ended the game. The, the, fourth, the fourth quarter was just a formality, right? But who can consistently be this number two option for the Warriors? Because I ultimately feel like, like they can't continue this pace to where Curry is just doing everything for them. They have to get a consistent second scoring option. if They really want to win this series because it's only one, one, right? They still have to win three whole more games. So my question for you is who can be that number two guy? And if it's not clay, should they just move clay to the bench and, and start pool? Yeah. Clay was not good in game two there. And I, I almost, I mean, Poole, like, he can get a little streaky, but I almost feel like you do put him out there just because Clay just, he hasn't been consistent at all, like, yeah. at all, really. Um, and if you bring him off the bench, like, if he gets hot, leave him in there, let him ride it, you know, give Curry a break or bring him out together. You know, they'll know what they're doing. But, yeah, maybe switch it up a little bit. I don't think he has an issue coming off the bench. Like, he can do that. You know, Poole can start. You know, he did it in, in the first couple of rounds. Um, Draymond was quite the irritant in game two. Like tried to pull down Jalen Brown's pants on that one, that one play. <laughs> right. And that could have been the second tech, but yeah, that, that, that was close. I think. Yeah. And it, it's kind of annoying how like that kind of stuff that he can get away with because he's, he's known as the guy that's constantly arguing with the refs. Right. And he gets away with a lot more than say, like if an Al Horford did something like that, where he's just the definition of mild mannered, never really shows too much emotion. If he does that, he's probably getting he's probably getting kicked out. But oh, yeah. Raymond, he gets away with it. I, it's frustrating because I think if you're a ref, you should call it straight, like mm-hmm. consistent, and you shouldn't give other guys the benefit of the doubt. But obviously, they're human beings, um, and, and it's it's difficult to keep it super consistent. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got away with a lot. And I think the Warriors probably surprised the Celtics a little bit with their physicality that they came out with in game two. Um, I, there were some quotes from, from the Warriors after game one where they were kind of disappointed with, with their effort. And if you go back and watch that game, I mean, the Celtics just out-hustled them really for most of that game. Um, the reason that the Warriors were in it for so long was Curry dropping six three-pointers in the, third qu- in the first quarter. Um, it's always going to keep you in the game, right? And then Celtics just went on a huge run in, in the fourth with, like I said, Horford White, didn't miss many threes. Um, and I think the Warriors were ultimately okay with that because they know the Celtics aren't going to shoot it like that from three uh, the entire series. And, you know, Celtics only shot 36% in game two, committed 18 turnovers. Warriors defense underrated in this series, in my opinion. Um, a lot of – like – Curry obviously is not an elite defender, but he's he he hasn't been a traffic cone in the series. He's been holding up. Mm-hmm. And they throw in Gary Payton into the rotation again for game two. That's mm-hmm. another elite defender mixed in with Draymond, giving the Celtics a lot of difficult looks that they might not have seen in game one. You know, one guy to keep an eye on, I think, might be Andrew Wiggins. He's having a sneaky, productive, you know, series and just overall playoffs, which it's funny from a Timberwolves fan when he get, goes from being the number one guy in a team to like the fourth guy, like, a, yeah, it's pretty easy to drop 20 and 10 if you need to, like when you're playing with these guys, but I keep an eye on him. Like he's stepped up, he's played well. And it's a Kavon Looney dude. He's a, uh, he's been productive as well. So it's tough. You want, you know, a pool, you want a clay to be that number two and really take some of that off of steps back, but it might just have to be, you know, collective effort from a lot of guys chipping in the whole time they're on the floor, you know, Otter Porter Jr. coming back. And if Iggy keeps playing, you know, it just kind of depends. I think they need a lot of guys to chip in. The one thing they can't do is have everybody have off nights the same night, Um, but you need clay on, you need pool on, you can't have them all off. I think it's interesting how for the majority of that third quarter run, clay played 30 total minutes. But if you go back and watch and when the Warriors really took the game into their hands, Clay was off the court. It was a lot of minutes from Otto Porter. Like Otto Porter played 15 minutes, but he was a plus 24 in, in the plus minus, which was actually tied for first highest on the Warriors team. Now I know plus minus is not that important of a stat, but I think it tells the story that in Clay, so Clay's plus minus was zero for the entire game. He was on the bench for this run where Poole was hitting threes, Wiggins hit a couple big shots, and Looney. It's been huge 
on the interior getting all these offensive rebounds because for the Warriors, the main thing is you can't let them get second chance points because they'll hurt you, you know, off the coming off the offensive rebounds, the defense is scattered couple passes guys are always wide open for three. Um, so yeah, I agree. It's a collective effort and you saw Steve Kerr kind of run clay out there in the fourth quarter and garbage minutes to try to get him going. And, and he still couldn't get it going. I mean, he was four of 19 from the field, one of eight from three. And he continues to take shots as if he's prime clay where he's, when he's clearly not, that's the one thing that is a little bit annoying um, me, like annoying me about clay personally. Um, I think he should, maybe realize that, Hey, I need to take more shots that are in the flow of the offense where it's, you know, he's still taking a lot of dribble pull-ups early in the shot clock. And I'm not so sure if he's that guy anymore, he should realize that, you know, I think it's maybe a little bit difficult for him to relinquish that idea that he is their second best player when, you know, while pool is a, a traffic cone on defense, clay is a better defender. Now clay isn't what he was back in the day. I would still say he's a better defender than pool. Um, I would like to see Poole get those starting minutes because I think he's more of an offensive threat than Clay is at this point in his career, unfortunately for Clay. Um, but you know, you can still run them out there both the same, roughly the same amount of minutes. Just because you're coming off the bench doesn't mean you can't play a lot. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough decision for Steve Kerr because um, Clay has had those big games in the playoffs so far against Memphis uh, yeah, in the Denver. Clay. Watch know. out yeah. late in the series. Right, game six clay, but we're still in game three. So uh, <laughs> interesting uh, dynamic. But yeah, ultimately, it's it, it'll have to be a collective effort for this team. I thought Bielitsa gave him some good minutes off the bench. He did. Yeah. Also a former Wolf. He was on the Wolves for a couple of years, dude. And he's a sneaky good player. Yeah. They got a lot. Of, dude, they have depth. They got a lot. Of, dude, can you imagine if James Wiseman was like actually <laughs> playing and like his potential there? I know. The, Just imagine that. That'd be crazy. It's crazy because this team has the current, like the old gen, Curry, Clay, even Looney, uh, Draymond Green. And then they also have like the future in Wiseman, Kaminga, Gary oh. Payton, Poole, Moody. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen Wiseman play basketball in over a, a calendar year. So we don't know if he's going to be good. But if he hits – He'll only yeah. be in year three, right? I, I don't think it's fair to write a guy off after two seasons. Also on that team, like he won't have the pressure of being a number two pick. It's like, oh, come in and be like, try to be the fifth best player on this team. And like, you'll look good. Right. Yeah. He, he, if there's one team like that you want to be on as a professional basketball player, it's probably Golden State. Yep. And, and I think I would make the argument that it's kind of a random point, but Draymond Green probably wouldn't be that great of a basketball player on any other team in the league. He's like specifically offensively. He, he's obviously a great defender, so he'd be good on any team. He has no pressure to score. No pressure to score. And he has all these, you know, Curry running off screens, Clay running off screens, pool running up. All he has to do is facilitate. If you just go to like the ball and he's probably going to make it. <laughs> right. If you go to like Orlando, for example, I don't see how he would be effective offensively at all when, mm. There's really no one that you have to honor the way you have to honor Curry on offense. Like the things Curry does just by stepping on the floor is so impressive. Just, I, I love watching all the focus that the defense gives Curry gives all these opportunities for these other guys. And really it's just a matter of if they're going to knock down their shots and, you know, clay did not um, pool did. And I, Wiggins was two of three from, from three. So um, and, and they blew him out of the water. It was really that third quarter outscored him 35, 14 game was over at that point, I guess, from a Celtics perspective, because we kind of covered the warriors here, like the main difference from game one to game two is just zero production from their role players. Horford with only two points in, yeah. in game two, he had like 20, he was the leading scorer. Marcus smart, two points, one of six uh, field goal, Jalen Brown had 17, but he scored 13 in like the first quarter. So he was ultimately yeah, silent after the first. Yeah. Um, Grant Williams coming off the bench, him. And I don't know if you noticed Grant Williams and Draymond Green were getting into it. He was, Dude, yeah, he was yelling. So it's, it's actually funny. Grant Williams had a quote before the series. He was like, I've always rooted for the Warriors because of Draymond. Like, I love Draymond, but I'm out here. Like we're trying to win a title and he, they were John. Yeah, I, I noticed there were a few instances. Obviously, there was a lot of physical altercations, but like 
Draymond was chirping him when they were shooting free throws and Grant Williams was on the bench. He was Grant Williams was at the front of the bench and, and green, uh, green was on the block and he was just chirping him, calling him a bitch and all this stuff. I'm like, damn, like these guys, it's kind of like the same player. Like, cause Draymond's the kind of guy where if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you hate him. Same yeah. thing with Grant Williams. He's a bit of an irritant. Um, definitely yeah. not as good as, as Draymond. And he has been struggling significantly really since he was great in that buck series. Grant Williams was. Um, but he's been struggling since and he played 21 minutes, um, but was not very effective. Dre, uh, Derek white played 30 minutes, only 12 points and like Pritchard, you know, Oh, three from three and Tatum 28 points, three assists felt like he could have done more. Um, and he was thing for me is I feel like he wasn't taking advantage of those matchups when Curry was on him. Now, you know, when he had Peyton on him and got switched on to Draymond Green, like that's a tough matchup. But he, there were quite a few instances where I noticed Steph Curry uh, switched on to him and he was just settling for jumpers, which is fine. Like there's a huge height difference and you can still knock down those shots. But I feel like you should drive, uh, get into your mid, mid-range game, get to, the, get to the paint, draw a foul. You only took eight free throws in this game should at least be in double digits every game, in my opinion, for Tatum. I, I want to see him a little bit more aggressive in game three, and I think that's something we will see, the home crowd with the energy. Um, he'll take advantage of that Curry matchup if he gets it, when he gets it. I don't know I don't know the exact amount of times he had it in game two, but felt like quite a lot. Yeah, it's. I think him and Curry are kind of in that spot. Like, they're the, obviously the leaders. The ball runs through them. Like, they are the focal point of their teams, and you know, they both put up 28, 29, 30 points, and – that's quiet for them. Like you, you need them to be superstars in these games and just take them over. And when Jalen Brown goes cold after the first quarter and big Al's not having a good night, Derek White's missing, Pritchard's missing. You gotta, you know, he's gotta be that guy like 29 a lot, but in the finals, if you're going to win, like you need your superstar on another level, you need your role guys, just like the Celtics did in game one, like their role guys were firing on all cylinders. And they need that every single night. I think that's what's going to come down to is whose role players can step up. You know, they got a big Al Horford game in game one. Um, can Grant Williams have another game? Can Derek White put up 25, 30 points? Can Pritchard knock down his threes again? You know, it's it's kind of like that is whose role guys can make that difference. Can Marcus Smart, you know, score a little bit more? Obviously, he's great on the defensive end. But who can step up? Who can be that guy that kind of galvanizes this group and pushes them to another level here in the playoffs? Right. And we talked a little bit about the Warriors defense. I think they did a great job adjusting on those role players in game two. Horford had a lot of wide open looks in game one through the entire game. You know, a lot of those looks that he had in the fourth quarter were wide open three point looks. He didn't get any open looks in game two. The Warriors were doing a great job uh, getting Draymond, Draymond Green out on the perimeter on those switches on Al Horford. Um even like an Andrew Wiggins did a great job defending these role players. Horford didn't attempt a single three point shot in this game. Mm. And it's because he wasn't getting open looks that he, that the same open looks that he was getting in game one. Um, again, there'll be more adjustments made from game two to game three. And maybe we'll see uh, these role players get open looks, but they weren't there in game two, which was a huge adjustment that golden state made. Another thing that I think hurt the Celtics in, in game two specifically, and a little bit in game one is Robert Williams is definitely not hundred um, percent only 14 minutes yep. in game two and two points. You know, he's not, he, he's not that same lob threat offensive threat that he has been throughout the course of the season uh, since that meniscus injury, really I thought it was always an interesting choice that they ran him out there could have, you know, gotten surgery to end the season. Um, but he's playing through, he's definitely not hundred percent. So he's playing through injury. Same thing with Marcus smart, you know, everyone's banged up. But I think Williams and Smart have legitimate injuries. So from the Celtics, like you said, it's going to come down to these role players. Uh, You saw Neesmith play a lot of minutes. Uh, 11 minutes is a lot for him. Um, Dice, even maybe give Dice some of those minutes instead of Robert Williams if Dice is going to be 100%. Um, Derek White, got to step up. Pritchard hit a couple threes, you know. Everyone's got to play their role. Didn't get that in game two. I think role players play better at home, right? So I think we'll see it. Uh, more in game three than in game two, but I, I'm just happy that we get, a, we have a good series. You know um, I, I didn't want, 
uh, I didn't want a replay of the, of the conference finals, right. Which were, we haven't done a podcast since then, but Lord, those, those series, even though that series went seven games, the Miami Celtics game, every single game up until like the last five minutes of that game, seven were awful. Yeah. I mean, after a blowout, yeah, it, was, it was back and forth in terms of a series, but the games themselves were just awful, especially for a conference final. And even game seven, like it still didn't like have that feel of like a game seven yeah. and like Celtics were up most of the game. They almost kind of blew it there at the end. Jimmy had a, had a chance, but it, it just never even felt like that though. So, and then obviously the Warriors kind of just wiped the floor with Luca. You just, it was never really competitive to the point where you thought the Mavs might steal the series. They might steal a game or two, but yeah, they weren't great. Um, so exactly like you said, it's great. You know, game one was awesome here in the finals game two was close at half. And then, you know, the Warriors just took over. So still a really fun game to watch. And, you know, going back to Boston, it'll be really exciting to see how they do in their home crowd. Yeah. in that Miami series, I think part of the reason it didn't feel as special, especially in that game seven is the crowd. I don't, they, and they, they always go deep and the crowd it just, I don't get it. I feel like they're never locked in. It's never full in the seats. I got that club underneath. I don't know. Yeah, about maybe everyone's in the club. Everyone's uh, in the club, not watching the game. Even going back to the LeBron era. I don't know if you remember the, in the, one of the Spurs series, I think it was 13 when Ray Allen hit that shot, huge comeback. And like infamously a ton of Miami fans left. Yep. And like, there was no one left in the crowd for that big shot. It's just like, I guess people got better things to do in Miami. I mean, there's a lot to do, be outside, go boating and beach life, but clubbing, but like, I mean, it's kind of the, the difference between the TD garden and uh, the stadium in Miami FTX, whatever, like massive difference. And Miami's a fun atmosphere. TD garden is hostile. Like they are, they're out for you. It's a bunch of mass holes hammered. Uh, you know, just not afraid to get into yeah. it. Even Golden State, dude, I feel like at their arena, like they, they're so used to winning. Like there's just a cocky crowd. Like they're, I mean, they're on you down there too. I feel like they're like, hey, we're going to win. Like, why wouldn't we? Like we do it every year, you know? Right. And it's different than Oracle, but it's still a good crowd. You know, yeah. it's, it's not Oracle, but they, they, they were quite loud in, in both games and, Oh, it's just been fun. I'm kind of glad, honestly, that the Celtics beat the Heat because I feel like Golden State might have wiped the floor with Miami. I don't know. And it, it definitely wouldn't have been as fun. This series feels perfect. It's like two yep. classic storied franchises, uh, two of the most successful franchises of all time. Some of the best players in the league. You know, you got the Curry legacy aspect of it, trying to win a title without Kevin Durant again, trying to get his first finals MVP. You got Jason Tatum, the Young Bucks, Tatum and Brown made it to the doorstep a couple times earlier in their, in their careers, finally broke through into the finals. Can they push through and get another ring for Boston, the most successful franchise in NBA history alongside the Lakers? Um, just a lot of great storylines with this finals that I don't know if we would have gotten if it was Miami and, and Golden State. So just feels right. And yeah, then- no, I, I agree. It, 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 I love this matchup, man. It's like, old warriors trying to prove that they're, you know, essentially a dynasty still. And, you know, there isn't a change in the guard with their younger players. Like they're, they're like, Hey, we, we're still running this team. We're still running this league. We can do this. And we're full strength. And it's the Celtics. Like, I mean, remember like midway through the season, they were like, Oh, break up Tatum and Brown, like maybe fire Udoka. Like everyone's like tear it up. And now here they are like all the way in the finals. And they're the young guys. Like, can they, can they change the throne here? Can they become the new Kings? Yeah. Udoka definitely changed the culture in Boston and it took a while for it to settle in, but the guys finally bought in and yeah, it's, it was for the better. They've been really like one of the best teams in the league since like trade deadline. So, or if not the best team in the league. So yeah, it's great series. Um, I think the Warriors dynasty is almost like gets overlooked in like all time comparisons. Like you compare them to like the bulls dynasties or the Lakers dynasties or the Celtics dynasties, I feel like the Warriors get a little bit overlooked all time just because of the Kevin Durant signing, honestly. Like people, especially young, the younger generation, almost like just dis- discredits those titles completely. Super team. Because it was almost unfair. And it pretty much was. I, it, yeah, it was. I, it was. It's different now because, like, like we were saying, like they'd only have a guy who can step up and be the consistent number two. Like it, 
back then it was like, hey, is, is KD the guy over Steph right now? And it's always been Steph's team, but right. you legitimately had two number ones. Now they're like, oh, do we have a number two like that can step up consistently? Yeah, back then it, it was unfair. Um, and like just going into every season, you knew it was going to be Warriors, Cavs, and yeah. you knew the yeah. Warriors were going to win. No other team had a chance. So like, and that's not fun. No, it was not like the NBA was down bad. Like those yeah. years. Like it's good to have past, I guess like two or three seasons, a lot of parody in the league that we haven't had in a while. So like it was a rough stretch for the NBA when it was just Warriors Cavs. Like as you know, people might not, not might not want to admit it, but just felt like everything else was meaningless outside Golden State and like I guess the Cavs, but they even they had like no chance when yeah. when uh the war and like you know, 17 Warriors arguably one of the best basketball teams of all time, if not the best. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it was just Durant. That was just a, a rough move for it hurt his legacy. I, I still feel like it, it really did because a lot of people still can't look at him the same and he hasn't won. He hasn't won anything since he left. Now I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries and whatnot, but just saying, and there was a rumor out there actually that Kevin Durant wants to play with John Morant. I don't know if that's true, but, Wow, I heard that rumor. Yeah, there is Memphis primetime destination now. I told, I called it earlier. I said it's a, it's a spot people are gonna want to go. Have you seen John Morant's uh, Instagram lives at all? No. Oh man, he's living life. He's loving life. And then Miles Bridges actually. Uh, you search up Miles Bridges on Twitter, I guess, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> he's in the news recently, so I don't think we can cover it on the podcast. But, um, anyways. <laughs> Great NBA finals, and hopefully that continues in game three tomorrow night. I'm quite excited. The only thing I don't like about this series is that games start so freaking late. Uh, all of them start at like nine o'clock Eastern from here on out. So tough for those on the East Coast. They're trying to give us sleep deprivation. All right, before we get to the next segment of the pod, let, we, we can do predictions like you said. Um, who you got? Game, game three and then for the rest of the series. Game three sees. Up to one, drops come back. Wiggins goes off game four, tied at two, going to the bay. Warriors take one, and then surprisingly, there's no game six. Clay, it goes seven, <laughs> dubs and seven. I kind of like the back and forth there. Yeah, so I'll I'll say Warriors win a tight one, game three. So it's two one dubs. Celtics win a must-win pretty much game five, 2-2 heading back to the Bay. Warriors, or, yeah, hold up. Yeah, so that would be game – no, that would have been game four. Game five in the Bay goes to the Dubs, 3-2. Celtics defend home court game six. And game seven, despite winning big games on the road throughout the course of the playoffs, and the Celtics have actually been a better road team the entire playoffs – I got the Warriors winning game seven in a classic Curry making big shots down the stretch finals MVP. Who's your finals MVP? I feel like it has to be Tatum or Curry. It's going to be Curry or Tatum. It's going to be Curry no matter what on the Warriors. Like, yeah, he's been their best player through two games on the Celtics. Like it's just going to end up being Tatum. Like if they win it, it I just don't. It'd be cool if it was somebody else, like fucking Al Horford just goes off <laughs> for but, four games. But right. I think realistically it'll be Curry or Tatum. Man had two points in game two, so I don't really think he, he's kind of out of contention. It's really between – had a quiet 28. Like, he's going to yeah. have the best numbers. He, he, uh, he's kind of out of contention. Have you seen the uh, Tatum, like Curry – or not Tatum. Tatum and uh, Kobe, like uh, he's basically trying to be – Kobe, it's like yeah, he texted Kobe's old number before game one, which like cool but kind of weird. Kind of weird. Um, and then he wore the armband in game set. Well, that was game seven last last series, which I thought the armband was a cool. That moment. was cool. Yeah. And then he wore the same exact outfit to practice after game one of the finals that Kobe wore in his Celtics draft workout like decades ago. And I was like, that's so random. That was that was quite weird. I was like, he didn't even play for the Celtics. That, that was one. And then his Instagram, if you see his Instagram profile picture now, it's like him laying down with a ball doing the same pose that Kobe did. It's like, all right, bro. Like, I get it. You like Kobe and he's your idol, but 
it's a little bit too much. Like I would, if I was him, I would not have posted the screenshot of the text that I sent. I would have just kind of kept that to myself. Maybe. I don't know. Um, everyone's different. It's a little, it's gone a little bit overboard just for my opinion. Obviously Tatum's still a great player. Don't, I'm not hating. Just a little odd. Anyways, let's talk Orlando magic. So why are we talking magic? Well, they have the first pick in the draft, obviously. And like I said, we soft launched our website critics corner. Uh, it's, just the critics corner podcast.com quite simple Is that um, linked up in Instagram and everything. Yeah. That's, we need to link that to on our Instagram. Um, Is it linked on Spotify? I don't know. I think you can throw it in like the. Bio? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got that. Um, and really it's just so we can post anything that we write. Cause sometimes I, I don't know. I just get in a mood. I feel like writing shit. I was a history major minor. So like, that's kind of part of it, I guess. I don't. I like writing. Kind of weird, but I posted it of the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Throw, a throwback to um, historic London in 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 study abroad. Hey, great! They, they, they really had us hitting the books there. Great, great class. But yeah, um, I posted up our first blog post, Orlando Magic NBA team report. This is something I started doing in quarantine back in 2020 when you had nothing else going on. Just deep diving teams, full on deep dive. So I'm going to go throughout the course of the offseason. I'm going to try to get to every single team. And I'm just going in the order of the draft right now. So first team, obviously the Orlando Magic, they have the first pick, right? And you can go through and read the, the document. It is, it is quite long. I did kind of go a little bit overboard, uh, kind of got into it. But I chronicled like the Magic's unlucky draft lottery history where really it seems like over the past 10 years or so, they've gotten the pick after the pick you want. Like, for example, in 2015, they got the fifth overall pick behind Chris Stapps, D'Angelo Russell, and Cat. And then in 2018, they had the sixth pick behind Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., Luka Doncic, and Marvin Bagley, and also DeAndre Ayton. And they picked Mo Bamba that year. Basically, I, I, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, basically still known for... The song. song, the song, and he, the magic are gonna that have boosted to... his draft stock. Let's be real. <laughs> when we were in London, that was like the song. Oh, they're playing it everywhere. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I feel like their draft lottery luck finally turned around last year. You know, they they had the fifth pick behind Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Cade Cunningham, four potential franchise guys, but they did get Jalen Suggs, who didn't have the best rookie season, but I still think it, it felt like he fell to them. Like it felt like, Oh, that's, that, that's sweet that he fell to them. Cause everyone in their friend had Suggs going forward to Toronto, but Toronto yeah. kind of surprised everybody and got Scotty Barnes who ends good up pick. Rookie of the year, of course. So good pick at the time. I, I wasn't a fan of it, right. but anyway, Jalen Suggs, I, I, I wrote in the article, I still think he's going to be a solid point guard. I don't know if he's going to be like an all NBA guy, uh, all-star guy, but he's going to be a quality starting point guard throughout his entire career, in my opinion. I think he'll have a long career. And they already have Franz Wagner, who I wrote about in the article. I think he has all-NBA upside. He can be one of the best wings really in the league. If He he just needs to improve that three-point shooting slightly. He shot 35% from three last year. If he can get up to like 38 to 40%, I think he's going to be legit. He already plays elite defense. He can Score a little bit off the dribble. That's still a work in progress, but I kind of compared him like a Jason Tatum type player. I think he can be that elite wing that you need to win titles because that's ultimately what it comes down to. So this team already has like quality players outside of like OKC, for example, has two players that are solid, not great. I think they have a franchise player in Franz Bach and a quality starting point guard in Jalen Suggs. Then it really comes down to what do they do at number one this year? And that's kind of what I, what I want to talk about on the podcast. I wrote in my article, I think there's only really two main options and Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my question is, who would you take? I don't think Paolo is in the discussion for them at one. So I don't know, maybe you do. But if you're, if you're Orlando, who do you think they will pick at number one? I think they're going to go Jabari. Okay. My issue with that is, I don't know. It almost seems like they're tipping their hand here. And I mean, they're probably not going to trade their pick, but I feel like you should not like just let people like kind of know who you're going to take. I think they're going to go Jabari. 
I don't not like the pick. Um, I mean, he's a heck of a player. He's got high upside. I, I, I would take Chet if I was picking number one. Like he just seems like he does have a bust potential because he's so skinny, yeah. but also he's a unicorn. Like he could just go like the ceiling is there. Like I think Jabari is safer than Chet. So I wrote about that in the article. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. Chet's like, ah, oh, there's a chance for it to be an ultimate bust. I think, um, especially in a, in a city or a team like Orlando, where he might have to be like the guy uh-huh. is kind of the issue there. Um, I think they go Jabari. I would personally go Chet. I would not take Apollo. For what it's worth, Jabari Smith is minus 450 to go number one overall on DraftKings. So Vegas reflects your opinion. And like you said, I think Jabari Smith will be a good NBA player no matter what. He's kind of the one sure thing in this draft because, like you said, Chet has a high bust potential. Jabari Smith, pure jump shots, super smooth. It's strong comparisons to Kevin Durant. Now, he is not going to be Kevin Durant type of play. Like He's not going to be that good. But he has... His offensive package is elite and he will be able to step into an NBA court and score right away. Like that's no problem. And he plays great defense too, which is another positive. Like what else can you want from a guy? He's a 6'10", 210 pound forward. My issue with that is I just think there's a little crossover between him and Wagner and don't get me wrong. Like if you're a bad team, you should not draft based on fit. You should just draft who's good and who's there. Best player available. Cause you like, you look back in the history and like, you can read articles, pre-draft articles from back in the day. And like, you know, I've seen things like Orlando shouldn't draft Jamal Murray. Cause they have Michael kid Gilchrist or, or uh, what was that guy's name? Michael Carter Williams. Like, yeah, it's just like, you can go back and read some of the articles and it's funny. Like just never draft based on uh, need when you're a bad team, just get the best player. But I, the thing with Jabari in Orlando is, I don't know if I want him and Wagner splitting shots. I want Franz Wagner to get – I want him to be the focal point of their offense. I want him to be a 20-point-per-game guy. He's averaged like 17 points per game in his rookie season, right? So he was first-team all-rookie. I I want him to develop. And the issue with that is I think Jabari and Franz on the same team might hinder the development of both of them because – I think they both need to step in and be that primary scorer. Like if Jabari goes to Oklahoma city, it's, it's him and Shea. Um, but he's still going to get a lot more looks than he would in Orlando potentially. Um, if he goes to Houston, I think Houston wants Jalen green to kind of step in and be their primary score. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think Chet like fits perfectly on Orlando, uh, both offensively, like he can facilitate the offense and score and be that interior presence. And also defensively, like if, if he steps into the center of that defense, all of a sudden, like Orlando is one of the better defensive teams in the league. You got Suggs, who's always giving 100% effort, a great defensive guard. You have um, Cole Anthony, which we can talk about. I think they should trade him. And he's been in a lot of trade rumors this offseason. He, he led the team in scoring and like shots attempted, but I just don't think he fits. Like, I want those looks going to Wagner, Wendell Carter, the rookie they pick, Suggs. I don't think he's a long-term solution. And then, and then back to the defense thing, like Franz Wagner elite, uh, you got Jonathan Isaac coming back and then Chet Holmgren, like that's a really good defensive team all of a sudden. So I guess I take from you, like you think Chet's a better fit, but you think they're going to go Jabari just cause that's generally just what you think is going to happen. Yeah. I just think they're going to go Jabari. I think Chet's a, be- a better fit and just the upside there, man, it's just, it's just so appealing to me. Um, but I think they're going to go Jabari. It's not a bad pick. Like, right. So yeah, I just, yeah, go ahead. That front office does have a history, um, of drafting long lanky guys. Like they picked Giannis in, in Milwaukee. Uh, they picked Mo Bamba in Orlando. So wouldn't be like Chet Holmgren would fit that mold. So I don't know. I, I feel like minus 450 for Jabari is a little bit surprising. I don't, I mean, I don't have, obviously, you know, Vegas probably has a lot more intel than we do. So maybe they're hearing things and that's the odds reflect that. So uh, maybe it's almost a lock that Jabari goes number one. Now that's not always the case because last year I had a lot of money. It was like minus two fifty on Jalen Suggs to go to Toronto and he did not. So you never know when it comes to draft night. And honestly, draft night's like one of my 
favorite, one of the better sports nights of the year, in my opinion. I love the NBA draft. So I'm excited to see what they do. Um, I mean, it was surprising. The surprise in the NFL draft was, well, one, like it was a lock by draft night, but Trayvon Walker at one was yeah. still a shock from months ago. And then Derek Stingley at three surprised me. I would never pick a defensive back that high. Um, yeah, they were just locked in on DBs. That poor, that poor franchise. I feel bad for Texans fans, man. They, they're going through it. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to be good again. Shout out, shout out, my guy Aiden. He listens to the pod a bit. He's a Houston guy. So wow, screw the Astros. I hate them, but the rest <laughs> of the team sucks. So. Astros are quality this year. You know, Jordan Alvarez, like we talked about on the pod, one of the more underrated hitters in the league. But, yeah, back to Orlando, like, ultimately, it's it's still a long-term rebuild for this squad. They're still super young. They're going to be in the lottery again next year. They might, if all their rookies hit and Suggs and Wagner take huge leaps, maybe they'll push for a play-in spot. But ultimately, it's about long-term, long-term development. They shouldn't – my main thing with them is do not re-sign Mo Bamba. It's not worth, worth splashing that. $22 million of a qualifying offer. Just let him walk, let him find somewhere else to play. Uh, maybe move Markel Fultz. He's making quite a lot, 16 mil. Uh, Wendell Carter, let him develop. He's on a team-friendly deal, 14 mil a year. Um, yeah. I like him. Cole Anthony, I think they should trade. Um, Terrence Ross is an expiring, so maybe move him and Cole Anthony and try to get like a young, or not a young, but like a quality starting two guard. I don't think RJ Hampton is going to be that guy for them. So, if they can get a legit two guard, I like the future of this team for the first time in a while. I think Orlando fans have some optimism and obviously, you know, the number one pick helps that, but with the number one pick comes a lot more pressure than the number two or three pick, because mm-hmm. you kind of have to like stake your claim to the, your guy, right? Like there's, you can pick anyone on the draft board. Whereas like at number two, you know, Oklahoma city is probably just going to pick whoever the magic don't. Same with Houston. There's a lot more pressure that comes with that number one overall pick. Um, yeah, agreed. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like I said. Like Wiseman was a was a number two, and he's also on the Warriors. Like, dude, no pressure. Get healthy. Put up ten and five, and people are like, all right, there's potential. Like he could come back. Like that's all he has to do. But when you're number one and you're going to the Magic, it's like, hey, you got to be a dog, man. You got to be a dog, right? But Chet <laughs> said, man, he said he's going to the finals next year. Yeah, he's been had some interesting quotes. Uh, he said he's going to come in and be like the best player in the league or something. Like, I don't know. There's there's different ways to approach your interviews, and he's going you know super confident way, and I can respect that. Me personally, I'd probably be a little bit more like you know I'm just going to come in, work hard, do my thing, try to make do my be play my role well on the team. I think it's hard when you go to a really bad team and there there's a lot asked of you as a rookie, but I also think it's good that you get a lot of minutes and you get time early in your career to develop. I think that's, I always talk about the, about the Grizzlies, but they do a good job of just playing their rookies. You know, Zaire Williams played a lot of big minutes, even in the playoffs. It's going to help him develop throughout the course of his career. So and you see a lot of teams like the Knicks, Thibodeau refused to play a lot of their young guys and it's going to hurt their development. So, So much of like the draft and where you end up just comes down to fit and your development if you go in the right situation, you can develop. If you go in the bad situation, it's going to be tough. Like Mo Bamba earlier in his career, like didn't play Steve Clifford, like refused to play him. That hurt his development. He's been better since he left, since that coach left, but you know, it's interesting. Uh, Just like in life, like it's all about fit, like working for the right company, you know, like you're going to play better and perform better at work, play better. You're going to perform better at work. If you're in an environment that, works for you and you enjoy yep. your job not in like a horrible work environment it's not going to be as good same thing for sports so um that's always another interesting thing to follow throughout the nba draft yeah there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into like what the right fit is who the right player is and you know that that you know looking back at that scotty barnes pick for Toronto, like they saw something that was like we like him as this fit and as this player potential over like everybody had sugs going to them like it was like the dream fit and they're like no like our fit is is this guy. And they were completely like the, hit the nail on the head. They were right. You know, um, they done a heck of a job too up there. I mean, developing guys and just, uh, this is supposed to be a down year for them. They, uh, were, were they like a five seed yet? They pushed Philly to game six. Yeah. So yeah, they're, 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 they're running. 
long wings. That's kind of their prototype. Side note, what are your thoughts on the, on the Wolves paying big money for Connolly from the Nuggets to run the, run the show? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think that new ownership group is definitely making some splash moves, and that was one of them. They gave him some equity, but I, I guess if you go in and read the details, it's not as much as you would think. Um, paid him a lot of money to be the GM. Uh, he has a track record of success. Like he drafted Jokic right in the second round. Like that's they're all time about commercial. That's an all time great move. Uh, he also like just like any other GM, he has his history of bad moves. So we'll see. I think there's a Minnesota is a good situation now for him. Like moving from Denver to Minnesota, I don't know. Like to Denver seems to be like a really highly sought after city. I think he yeah. just. I think he just the money was too hard to say no. I think yeah. that's what's and he has he has so much control. Plus, when you got a got a guy like Anthony Edwards, like he made he made his own legend, like all time top five. <laughs> right? Did you see Ant? Ant was in that new Adam Sandler movie. Hustle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some appearances. Yep. I love hey, it. Dude. The sky is the limit for Anthony Edwards. Luis wouldn't agree, but he's super young. A lot of time to work out the kinks. I, I like his upside. It's yeah. a good situation in Minnesota. I think he, he should move off that D-Lo contract is the main thing. Yeah, we'll have to find a way to move that around. We're going to have to give the max again to Cat. You just – we're going to have to. We have to, yeah. Um, so, I think we – yeah, I think we need to move D-Lo. But maybe he wanted to get we'll away find, from that. We'll find something. Maybe yeah. he wanted to get away from that Michael Porter Jr. contract. That was that was a tough one. I think that was a bad yeah. bad deal. They should have just – hurt like three days later. Yeah, tough. Tough, but that's you knew that when you drafted him. He had like the worst medical history that some scouts had ever seen. So yeah. All right, quick hitters. Um, first one, Quinn Schneider leaving the jazz, step down. Uh, you think Mitchell will leave? He's reportedly unsettled and unnerved about the departure of Quinn Schneider. I think Mitchell will be leaning, wanting to leave. I think Gobert is the one who gets traded. And yeah. then they say, Donovan, your team, what do you want us to do? I agree. And there were a lot of questions that came more questions than answers about uh, Donovan Mitchell from this postseason. No effort on defense um, was, was the main thing that I, that I took away. And I think defense is just a, really an effort thing. I think maybe he can fix that. Ultimately, I don't think he leaves. I think NBA players are becoming more conscious, self-conscious about just forcing their, their way out. Like they've kind of seen the response of like how the media has responded like James Harden forcing his way out or the Kevin Durant and how that affected his legacy. I actually think players are more likely to stay in their situations. Like they saw Giannis win one in Milwaukee and like, wow, I want to do that. I want to win one for my city. Same thing with John Morant. Hopefully he stays in Memphis and, you know, brings one to Memphis. Like the, the Warriors, they were a homegrown team for besides when Kevin Durant went there, but the, the core Draymond clay Steph, been there forever. Right. I think, I think Mitchell will stay. But I agree. I think they're going to definitely move Gobert. One of the two. They're not going to be on the same team next year. Um, yeah. What What do you think? I What do you think's going to happen with Quinn Snyder? Because there's all these rumors about other teams, but he left after these teams have done interviews. Some have hired coaches. Like, what do you think his plan is? Maybe take a year off, wait for yeah. Pop to leave, or what do you think he's looking at? Because he's a great coach, right? So I think it's going to be take a year off. I don't think he's going to take like the Charlotte job. Um, I think he's just going to take a year off and see what opens up next year. Maybe pop retires. Like, like you mentioned, I think that's very well a possibility and he could take over there. So yeah, I think he's going to take a year off and, you know, after coaching Utah for that long, I think you need a year off. <laughs> uh, next one, Phil Knight put in a bid for the blazers. Obviously Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Um, I think it was like rumored to be $2 billion. You like the idea of Phil Knight taking over in Portland? Side note before I get into it, Broncos just are in the process of finalizing this week for four and a half billion dollars. Yeah, that's absurd. That's pretty crazy. Um, I love the bid from Phil Knight. That'd be pretty cool. But apparently, like a couple hours later, the ownership of the Blazers were like, we're, we're not for sale. Like, we weren't asking for any bids. So I don't know. Did he just like walk up and was like, hey, here's two bill. Can I take them? They were like, no. I I, I, I Apparently there's rumblings that Portland is potentially one of those teams that could move if they, if mm. the opportunity were to arise. And I think Phil Knight, if he were to take over, obviously roots in Oregon, he would keep that team in Oregon. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I like the idea of him taking over. I think he would do a lot of fun things with the Blazers. I think it's a little weird that like he's the Nike guy, right? The league yeah. is in a partnership with Nike. They do all their uniforms and all the merchandise. Mm-hmm. Like there's a little bit of a crossover there. Um, Cause you know, Phil Knight has like business dealings with the league as a whole. And then if you took ownership of one team, there might be some crossover. Um, but I think Portland would be, it would be cool like to have a guy that famous and like well-respected mm-hmm. owning. Uh, and I think he would be one of the more active owners too. Yeah. I think he'd be active, which I think, you know, you want to see like the Matt, like Steve Cohen, like he's funny. Like he's a little annoying sometimes, but like, I like that he's active. Like he's yeah. out there. He's public. He's invested. He's put his money where his mouth is. He's, you know what I mean? I, I like someone who's going to be active and, and be in the media and, and all that. Agree. Yeah. You want owner, you want ownership that cares. That's a huge factor in a team success. I think. Um, all right. Next uh, NHL playoff update. We got abs to the cup finals. They're a wagon Rangers up to one game three tonight in Tampa Bay who you got winning that Rangers series and do they have a chance to beat the Avs? Yeah. I, I think whoever wins tonight wins the Rangers lightning series if Rangers win, they're up three, one, you know, just need one out of three games. I think they get it done. The lightning win back-to-back wins, you know, they're, they're playoff tested. I think they get it done. They win tonight. You know, they get, they get on a, on a stretch. I'm going to take the Rangers. I think they win tonight and they win this series, um, which is surprising. I, I know you called it though. You said, watch for the Rangers, Igor, in the playoffs. You called I know. Dude, that was like in February. I need to clip that and post it to our Instagram if they win. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. But I, you know, I think whoever wins tonight moves on. I'm going to pick the Rangers. Um, like you said, Avs are a wagon. Swept McJesus and the Oilers 4-0. Um, and they're about like, to get a week I, off. I like them in the finals. Uh, you never know. If the Lightning get there, looking for three straight. If the Rangers get there with Igor, like Duke can stand on his head. But I, I gotta, gotta say, I think the Abs are gonna get done. Isn't Kemper injured? Their goalie. Kemper's injured, but he has actually been back last night for sure. Maybe game three, oh. and they just stuck with the other guy. Okay. We'll see okay. though. I mean, he did give up five goals last night. It's not like he was playing like out of his mind. Um. So we'll see. But the Abs just have so much firepower, dude. It's crazy they're going to have a huge break and that could help or hurt them. Like we saw Tampa kind of hurt them in the opening of this Rangers series. They had a long break and the Rangers two game sevens in the first two rounds. And they've just been playing a lot of hockey. Um, They're a young team though. So they can like help. They can get away with it, I guess. NHL, man, they need to space these games out. They've been playing every other night for two or for like a month and a half now. Like give these guys a little bit of a break. Like, like the NBA, like I know we don't like having two days off in between games, but it's ultimately good for the product. Like we saw how bad the product was in the conference finals when they were playing every other day. I think it's it helps the product when you give these guys a little bit more rest. Mm-hmm. But I think I want to see the Rangers win. I'd rather the Rangers win. Uh, New York, you know, they're a fun team. Haven't won recently. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's hard to pick against the Avs, man. They're just a freaking machine. All right, next, next quick hitter, last quick hitter, Live Golf Tour, Saudi Arabia, new golf league, headlined by Dustin Johnson. Are you in or are you out? Um, I'm going to follow it, like, in terms of headlines, highlights, and all that stuff, and all this money. There's just such a bad, like, connotation with it right now just because it's, it's Saudi Arabian, Arabian money and where that like, – everybody knows where it comes from and what they do. Right. And – it's just been so publicized in general. And since the Phil Mickelson comments have just put this dark cloud over it. So I don't see that going away for a while. Um, you know, the got Dustin Johnson, they fails committed now, even after all that stuff went down, they offered Tiger Woods $1 billion to join. And he said, no, which I loved. Like, he's like, Nope, I'm sticking with you know, America, the tour, like, this is my legacy, like all that. He's still going to make a, a F ton of money, you know, doing whatever he yeah, wants. He doesn't need that money. I mean, he's already. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to follow in terms of headlines and stuff. It's, it's cool in the terms of like, it creates more competition and lets more guys on onto these tours. And you know, there's a lot of money they're getting paid over there, but that dark cloud over, it, it's just really, a, eh, it, yeah. it just leaves a sour taste, I think in people's mouths. And if you go through and like, look through the field, it's not that like, top to bottom it's not 
anything yeah. compared to the PGA. Like the best players will still be in the it's, PGA. It's top heavy. If yeah. you were to pick one guy in the tour to go to Saudi Arabia, it would be Dustin Johnson. Like just, and to be honest, like I'm not going to miss the guy. He's like probably the most boring golfer on tour for, and he's like an absolute monster. He's when he's on, he's the best player in the world. Yeah. And there's so many guys like that in golf now. Like when he's on, he's the best, like Morikawa, when he looks unbeatable, Brooks Kepka had a run. Um, so like I'm not surprised he left though. It's a whatever. Yeah, I'm not. Phil I'm not gonna. Huh? Phil needs the money. Phil, yeah, apparently gambling away his life savings. Um, I actually don't know if it was his life savings, but he had lost a lot of money gambling. Apparently, I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah, I'm not gonna watch. I know they're doing like a lot of cool different rule changes, um, like unique approach to. It's gonna be a lot different than the PGA Tour. They're essentially listening to the players a lot, I think. Yeah, so it could be, it could be fun, but again, just that dark cloud, it's going to make it tough to get into it. But we'll see. I mean, golf definitely needs more excitement. Yeah. It needs players to show a little more personality, I guess. Like, like when Tiger Woods was in his prime, like no one's ever going to come near that. Like – both in terms of skill and just like draw from, from mm-hmm. the media, from everybody. Like he's Tiger, Tiger was golf, man. And like, even now, like you saw in the masters when he played, he was the story and he wasn't like, he barely made the cut, but he was the story. And I don't know, golf needs, needs another guy like that. And there never will be another tiger, but it needs like, I don't know, someone to take over and like be the face of golf. Like Scotty mm-hmm. Scheffler is an unreal golfer, right? dominating it this year but he's like boring he's nothing special like he's shows no personality like all of it like you they're all the same man yeah that that's why even like stuff like the brooks cap brooks kepka bryson dechambeau like feud like was so interesting because like you don't see that stuff like in golf and everything so it's fun you know i mean like the match and stuff i feel like it's getting kind of overplayed and everything they like do that, they the do it too often now it's too much quarterbacks um yeah. It's like they're just trying to do more things, which I like because they need to bring more excitement and, and drama and, you know, social media and all this stuff into the game, which is hard. So maybe it'll push the tour to do different things and, and you know, bring yeah. more to the game. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I'll follow, but definitely uh, a weird, weird cloud. First tournament for Live Golf is this weekend in, in London. London, Centurion Club. Interesting. And I guess they're doing like team and individual stuff. So I'm not really sure how it works. I don't know if it's televised or what. Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be televised. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, TV deal. Yeah. What'd you say? I bet they have a massive TV deal with someone. Yeah, they have to, right? They have to. Um, that's probably where they're getting a lot of this prize money from. It seems like TV money is where the money is in sports nowadays. So, yeah. All right. Um, that's, that's all we got. So you got anything else you want to mention before we get out? Hey. Respect the twins, man. First place in the central. We're not going anywhere. They're still holding it down. Uh, we talked down. about them. The Sox are behind the Guardians, dude. So I don't they're not looking like they're making a comeback anytime yeah. soon. Socks are rough, man. They're banged up, and I just don't like the vibe around that ball club. Super disappointing for them. Um, Tigers have been playing good. Then they kind of fell off. They tough weekend against the Yankees. They've been playing better baseball. Breaking news. Joe Madden fired, eh? Joe Madden gone from the Los Angeles Angels. 12-game losing streak will do that to you when you got some of the best players in baseball. Turn that ship around. Come on. Yeah, Luis called for it actually last night on the podcast. Hey, Luis calls for it. People deliver. Yeah, I guess. I guess we we kind of hit the nail on the head with the Angels last night then. I kind of feel vindicated in that. I don't think it's his fault, but, I mean, somebody's got to go. Someone's got to. You're losing yeah. 12 games. You got Trout and Shohei. Mm-mm. There's no leader, no leader on that team. None. Nope. So frustrating because they should be good, man. It got me angry. So good. I mean, uh, thanks for coming on as always much appreciated. Like you say, it's a great time to be a sports fan, right? Great time. Great time going into summer here, man. So excited. Appreciate being on. And if you guys haven't listened, uh, go listen to the one they dropped yesterday. Pretty innovative discussion between William and Luis. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Have fun in Omaha. Safe travels back to Minnesota. Uh, Enjoy the fraudulent baseball, as Luis would say. Uh, (laughs) Listeners, thank you all for listening. 
catch you on the next one. Peace out.